0: Right about now, you're probably wondering to yourself, what the hell does all this have to do with the precious metal sector? Land Greetings, Land of Arcadia Economics. My name is Dave Cransler, and welcome to another bi-weekly episode of the podcast that I do for Arcadia. This episode is sponsored by Silver Viper. Silver Viper is advancing its Law Virginia project in Sonora, Mexico, a very mining-friendly jurisdiction, despite all of the negative press Mexico has been getting about regulations, etc. And you can find Silver Viper under the ticker VIPRF on the OTC bulletin board and VIPR.V on the TSX Venture Exchange. Currently trades around $0.10 a share. I... Personally, have, am of the opinion that that price is, is too cheap based on what Silver Viper has already demonstrated as it advances its project. Here's a chart of Silver Viper. Um, oh, also, I wanted to mention insiders do own 23% of the stock. And that's one of the key attributes that I look for when I'm assessing a junior development microcap situation. Um, It tells me that insiders have strong belief in what they're working on. But um, I've gone over fundamentals in the past. I just wanted to quickly go over the technicals and why I think on the assumption that we get a resumption of the bull market and precious metals sector, and I think we will, that Silver Viper, I mean, the fundamentals for all these juniors just depended on a lot of things. I mean, who knows if this project's ever going to work out or not, but we go into a bull market scenario. This stock has a lot of things going for it, and it's this is why I think it will perform well, not the least of which is the fact that it's a $0.10 cent stock, um, and speculators like to pile into those. And again, that's not a reason to invest long-term. I do think Silver Viper is a good long-term investment. However, if you just look at the, the chart technicals, and I think any average chart technician would tell you this is a very bullish looking chart. I mean, it bottomed out down here in, I think it was like mid-March around five or six cents. Might've been a little bit lower, and this is US dollars. And it's traded up as high as over 14 cents. And it's pulled back here. It's it's right, I think it closed right around 10 cents in US dollars today. However, it's, it's in a really nice uptrend. As you can see, it pulled back to this uptrend line. Yes, it is below the key moving averages. And I look at the key moving averages as the 200-day, which is the red line, the 50-day, which is the yellow line, the 100-day, which is this dark blue line, and the 21-day, which is this light blue line. And it, it is below those, but it, it also made that pullback below these moving averages on declining volume. And that perhaps suggests to me that the cell volume the, the, this, the energy behind the selling is probably exhausted. Um, also, I've got an RSI and a MACD here, and you can see the MACD or the RSI went from extremely oversold. Uh, it didn't quite make it down to the extreme oversold level, and it's it looks like it's heading up again. It is in an uptrend. And similarly with the MACD. MACD is a little bit slower moving, um, and it, it tends to potentially capture longer term trends. And, you know, longer term, this could be in an uptrend. So if silver does happen to take off into the high 20s and low 30s over the course of the next 12 months, possibly before the end of this year, then I think we could easily see silver viper triple or quadruple in a bull market scenario. So with that out of the way, thought i would talk a little bit about the economy the real economy how idiotic the stock market is right now and why the what's going on in the real economy is extremely bullish again in my opinion for gold and silver and of course the mining stocks so the first thing i wanted to get off my chest here is a lot of you i know i i notice it because i study this for my short sellers journal over the last several weeks the stock market has just it seems to defy gravity especially the tech stocks and it's especially true for companies that have been reporting this earnings season that beat so-called earnings estimates and and it's it's become a, an idiotic game where management sandbags their earning estimates to the analysts, and then the analysts then revise down their earnings, and management sandbags it down to a level that they know they can beat with some gap manipulation accounting. And what happens is, even though these companies are showing deteriorating economics and deteriorating revenues and, and, and profitability, the stocks pop. I mean, it's insane. And last week was just—I mean, I thought my head was going to explode. I just wanted to show a couple quick examples here, and this ties into um, my thesis that I'll show in a second on why the economy is is going into the crapper right now. The one of the stocks that reported last week is Best Buy. Everyone knows who that is, and it beat. It's its, I don't know about revenues, it beat its EPS estimate, and the stock price popped almost 3% that day. This was, I don't know, Wednesday or Tuesday last week, whatever. Revenues on a year-over-year basis for the quarter were down over 11%, operating income down almost 33%, and yet the stock shot up. It's crazy. Same thing with Marvell, which is a semiconductor stock. Um, it's stuck. And I think part of this is because there's a big short short interest in it. So part of this could be a short squeeze, but its revenues were down over eight percent. It it a year ago for the quarter, it generated 69 million in operating income. And this latest quarter that it reported, it had 182 million dollar loss. But the stock, the market cap of the stock <laughs> increased by a third. Home Depot, everyone knows that company. Um, I was just there this weekend. It's a a consumer company, as as is Best Buy. And it reported last week, revenues down 4.2%, operating income down 6.4%, and the stock price jumped 3.5%. Now, I mean, this makes no sense. I mean, a lot of these stocks are now more highly valued in terms of market cap and especially in terms of their valuation multiples than they were before this bear market started. And the bear market in the NASDAQ started in November 2021. And in, for the rest of the stock market, basically the beginning of 2022. But the Mac daddy last week was NVIDIA. And everyone knows what NVIDIA does. They make graphics chips. Well, its CEO, who happens to be an unscrupulous operator, in my opinion, um, also has caught on to this trend in AI, Artificial intelligence. And he just peppered the earnings conference call with artificial intelligence. He peppered the earnings report with artificial intelligence. So now people think artificial intelligence is this magical thing that's going to save the world. When in fact, all it does is it, on a short term basis, levitates the stocks of these companies that are insanely overvalued. But when an NVIDIA reported, revenues were down 13% quarter over quarter or year over year for the quarter. Its operating income was down almost 30%, yet the stock price jumped 24%, and it, it, it even went higher after that. I mean, it's just sheer insanity. It, in terms of valuation, it's more overvalued now than, than Cisco was at the peak of the dot-com bubble, and Cisco was the poster child stock for the tech bubble and the dot-com, dot-com bubble back in the late 90s and 2000. And it's one of the stocks that Jim Cramer happened to choke on. Well, guess what? Cramer was out, I guess it was yesterday, saying that he thought that everyone should have NVIDIA in their portfolio at this level. And of course, today it was down, I think it was down about 20 bucks. So the, the Cramer jinx is alive and well. Now, I think it's, it's important that you don't get sucked into thinking that there's a new bull market in stock just because the nasdaq's gone bonkers over the last 3 months it's not in any way supported by fundamentals everyone in the audience has seen the the fed balance sheet chart showing that when the banking situation hit in late march it it increased the size of its balance sheet by 400 billion dollars And that is directly responsible for the activity that we're seeing in the stock market, particularly these crappy tech stocks and overvalued tech stocks. I'm not saying NVIDIA is a crappy company per se. Some of its products are awesome. I'm sure I have NVIDIA graphic cards in my desktop computer here, but it's extremely overvalued and its CEO is, is known to exaggerate, embellish, and actually in the early 2000s he got in trouble with the sec for misrepresenting the accounting of the company so the the more important reason as to why this is not a new bull market is because the economy is is sliding into what is going to end up being a deep and brutal recession i just want to run through some charts here quickly show you what i'm talking about the chicago purchasing Managers index report was was released and you can see it's in a, a vicious downtrend um it was much lower than expected it's it's the type of index where when it's when it's below 50 it means that uh, manufacturing activity in the chicago area in the midwest area where, where the chicago fed is 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 contracting also the dallas fed their manufacturing index is also another um typically important part of the industrial economy. And you can see it's also in a vicious downtrend. And I mean, it tanked, it's at its lowest level now since the pandemic lockdown period. So what what this indicates here is that um, manufacturing activity in the Dallas Fed region, region is just getting hammered. Housing starts. Um, housing. The housing market is of particular interest to for me. I cover it extensively in my short sellers journal. And um, I mean, what we saw happen in the housing market since the pandemic is a direct response to the four plus trillion that the Fed dumped into the financial system. Um, the affordability of homes, by any kind of measure, is is just beyond the charts it's you know most people can't afford a new home right now if they or a used home um most a lot of people can't afford the house that they're living in right now but at any rate um the housing market's one of the major legs of the economies it's housing auto and government spending so that would include defense and uh, this is this is where the housing market is headed the average middle-class household is starting to struggle financially this article is a couple weeks old and i I am familiar with this data because i um in a lot of the I, i research hard economic data extensively every week for my newsletter and um as as the headlines say more people are falling behind on their credit card and car debt and that's one of the things oh well the economy must be great we're not seeing debt defaults well banks eased up on on their definition of of you know what they consider to be falling behind so it used to be 30 days and you'd be noticed and now they give you a lot more breathing room Um, but this particular article is talking about the 90-day delinquency rate and you know the fact that you know maybe it's gone up from 0.07 percent to a little bit over one percent that may not sound like a lot but during the the great financial crisis um, the delinquency rate and default rates were not as high as you might think they were. I think for auto loans, it got up to I don't know five or six percent. Um, mortgages about the same. Auto loans might have been a little bit higher. I, I do know that um, the thirty-day delinquency rates for auto loans are now higher than they were back then, and that's a direct reflection of the fact that the the, the average household just has too much debt and and they're, they're having a hard time making ends meet. And we're seeing that in the credit card data because credit card debt's going up um, every month and it, a lot of it, by a lot, and a lot of it has to do not with retail sales, not consumption, because we know retail sales are headed south, especially if you if you strip out inflation from the headline number. Uh, it, it has to do with the fact that people are starting to use credit cards to make ends meet on a monthly basis. And circling back to the housing market, you know a lot there's a lot of guys out there especially unscrupulous real estate operators that are saying oh it's a new bull market in housing and yeah we did have a bounce in the first quarter of the year and a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh that the yield on the 10-year treasury rate fell because everyone started expecting the fed to start cutting rates and it, it dropped from I think it peaked out around 4.4 percent, and it came down to as low as I think 3.4 percent. Don't quote me on those off the top of my head, but it's 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 horseshoes and hand grenades close enough. And mortgage rates went; the base mortgage rate fell from I don't know it was probably uh, 7.2, 7.3 percent down to about 6.5 percent, and that's that stimulated some home buying. Uh, no question about it. There's also seasonality in there however if you look at what mortgage mortgage uh purchase applications which is how you want to measure um demand for for housing for for purchasing houses and the reason i say that is 90% of all new home buyers use a mortgage i think it's something like 80 85% of all existing or as i like to call them used home buyers use a mortgage and so a mortgage purchase mortgage application purchase purchase application demand is is a good bellwether for what's happening in the housing market and you can see that it did you know this, this only goes back to uh, mid-march it's the, the mortgage index is reported on a weekly basis by the mortgage bankers association and you can see there's a four-week trend here now where it's been falling and it's not only has it been falling it's been falling quickly and this, this chart on the bottom here goes back to before 2014. so I took it back 10 years. and you can see it's been in a, in a brutal downtrend since um, this is probably early 2021 and it hit a, it hit a it's not quite as low as where it was in March because it, it rebounded a bit in March. but right now, other than that that March little dip down, it's at its lowest level since 2015. And what happened in 2015? In 2015, housing market, the housing demand was starting to fall off a cliff. And so Fannie and Freddie, by the directive of the FHFA, um, lowered the down payment requirement on a, on a conforming mortgage to 3% from 5%. And they also did some other tweaks that made it easier for someone to get a mortgage to purchase a home and and that was uh, um, it was actually they did a lot of things over the next three years that juiced the housing market oh one more thing just just to circle back to um what's going on in the stock market and how idiotic it is this chart shows corporate profits and goes back to 2000 and you can see there's there's not very many periods of time when they start to roll over and head south a lot of that has to do with just um, inflation and, and the effect inflation has nominally on on corporate revenues and corporate profits. Um, but you can see there's been a couple of periods of time when we've had a pretty big downturn, uh, the great financial crisis. And I think we're headed into something that's worse than that. And then, of course, the pandemic period. And they were rolling, you know, the economy was rolling over back then anyway. And if the Fed, even if the pandemic never hit, uh, this economy was going to go into a recession back then. So, and here you see corporate profits are rolling over again. And keep in mind, these are nominal profits. The, the, this is not net of inflation. So, you know, during this period when we had soaring corporate profits, it, it all it, uh, most of that was inflation. And so, the fact that they're rolling over now, and if you were to adjust this by stripping out just CPI inflation, you would see a pretty Pretty Severe contraction in, in corporate sales activities across the board, across every industry. So right about now, you're probably wondering to yourself, what the hell does all this have to do with the precious metal sector? What, you know? I'm, I'll tune into Arcadia Economics to figure out why I should be buying gold and silver, what kind of gold and silver I should be buying, and in addition to that, should I be buying mining stocks? Well, it, it's all interrelated. And first of all, the economy—I think I've demonstrated in a short presentation on why the economy is is going into the tank, and it's—I think we're headed for a pretty severe recession. Uh, households are struggling financially. Um, major sectors of the economy are are in a steep contraction, uh, and the only thing that's bubbly right now is is the stock market, and that's because the Fed. Dumped in 400 billion a couple months ago into the financial system. Well, that money is coming out now. And um, when the debts eventually the debt ceiling is going to be raised and the Fed, the Treasury is going to come at the market with a boatload of Treasury issuance. And that's going to suck a lot more liquidity out of the system and that'll affect the stock market quite adversely. So, what I think is going to happen, I'm not unique in this thought is that at some point for sure in the next 12 months probably in the next six months the fed's going to have to restart the printing press it's going to have to do that for a couple of reasons probably the most important one is as liquidity gets sucked out of the system the banking crisis is going to rear its ugly head again it's probably going to affect the big banks and that's a no-no as far as the fed is concerned given that we know that the big banks actually own the fed and specifically, the the big money center banks in New York own the New York Fed, and the New York Fed is the most powerful of the twelve federal uh, the Fed regional banks. So we are going to see QE again, unless the Fed's intent and the elitist intent is to completely crash the system. I know that that view is out there. I'm not, I'm not closed minded to that view. Um, It may sound a little conspiratorial, but I think they're going to try and kick the can down the road more. And so when they start, when there's even a hint that they're going to start cranking up the printing presses again, we're going to see gold and silver. In fact, the whole precious metal sector is going to take off like a bat out of hell. And it's, again, to the degree that I think what is coming at us is worse than 2008, And remember back then there was a a massive move higher in the precious metals sector between late 2008 and the middle of 2011. I think we're gonna see a massive move times two in the precious metals sector. And there's actually, in terms of all the other fundamental variables that affect the precious metals sector that you all are aware of, There's also there's a lot of physical demand, demand for physical gold and silver in in the in the market right now. And I've got a couple charts here that I'll use to to end this episode. And a lot of you already might be aware, but there were a lot of contracts. This June is a is a big delivery month for gold. June and then August is the next is probably the largest delivery month, and there were a lot of contracts open going into the first notice day. And the first notice day is if you're long a COMEX contract, you have to be prepared to be noticed of a delivery. Okay, so uh, each each contract is 100 ounces of gold. I think now the, the, the rule is is that you need five contracts to take delivery. So um, if you got – actually, even if you just have one, you can't hold even one contract if your account, your futures account, isn't funded to accept delivery. You, you get booted out, and that happened to me back in 2006, I think it was. I wasn't paying attention. I had a, had a pretty big futures position. I wasn't going to take delivery, and I held it through – the end of trading the day before first notice, and they automatically sold me out. But um, at any rate, there were 22.7 thousand contracts open on the COMEX yesterday in June gold. And the way first delivery works is today is, again, May 31st is when I'm recording this. First, today is the first delivery date, however, Notices start going out as soon as the afternoon GlobeX session closes in the afternoon the day before first notice. And yesterday, so first of all, this twenty two point seven thousand that's that's the largest amount of open contracts going into first notice since last August. And this represents two point two million ounces of gold, which is it's about thirty two percent of the amount of gold that was in the registered accounts at the COMEX as of yesterday so 9000 of these contracts a little more than 9000 were noticed yesterday okay so that's that's 900,000 ounces of gold what that represents is 7% of the registered gold category in sitting in COMEX vaults and that that's a not unmeaningful percentage of the amount of gold however the way that The way that I think it becomes important and significant is if some portion, hopefully the majority, hopefully all of them, all the people who are taking all the entities that are taking delivery of the contracts that were noticed yesterday, move their gold out of COMEX, out of COMEX vaults and into private safekeeping. Because as long as, as long as all the gold that you're seeing in the, in the COMEX, whether it's registered or eligible, as long as it's there, I don't think that we're going to have a a, a big physical silver squeeze. Um, and the other thing that I'm going to be watching for tomorrow that'll be interesting is so nine thousand of this open interest will bleed off because the contracts were noticed. However, you can still trade June gold contracts. You just have to have an account. If you if you take a long position, you just have to have an account funded that can take delivery. If you get noticed as soon as you go long, which could happen. So if this, if this bleeds down by less than 9,000 contracts, that means there were buyers in there today, possibly getting long COMEX June gold to take delivery. And, you know, we'll see if that happens. Now, the second evidence that there is a lot of physical demand going on right now, and, and this, a lot of people don't pay attention to what goes on in India, other than to know that, uh, a boatload of gold gets imported into India every month. And it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting market. Unfortunately, the guy who used to produce the newsletter that I would get, it was a three times daily newsletter. It was quite expensive, but the data is invaluable. Uh, he sent around an email to his longtime faithful subscribers yesterday because one of the ways to judge what's going on in India is by the type of premium above the market price that is being paid for physical gold over in India. And these are bars that get delivered into India. It's not bars that, you know, are delivered in the LBMA vault and then moved to a so-called allocated account, but they stay in the LBMA vault system. These are bars that get shipped over to India. So it's true physical demand. And... Keep in mind that with India, there's a 15% import duty now, and then there's some sort of other 3% sales tax. So if you're buying an ounce of gold in India after it's already been imported, you're automatically paying 18% above the the spot price of gold on the world market. Now, what happens is, is when demand is strong over there, The price of gold actually trades for the end users the the end buyers at a premium to the 18 percent added on top of the import price and that's that's the the x duty premium so and when the x duty premium is positive that means the indians are are importing a shitload of gold and that's also significant because it's estimated that close to a third of the gold that gets distributed in India is actually smuggled. And it, it's, it's worthwhile for smugglers to try and get it in there. And it's worthwhile for buyers to try and buy smuggled gold because they get around that 18% that eighteen percent that tax that's, that's levied on gold. And so um, that newsletter guy, John Brimlow, sent around an email yesterday. And this article was in the Financial Post and then the actual sources, Reuters, which believe it or not, does a really good job covering the foreign gold markets from the physical standpoint. And in India, the price that Indians are paying returned to a premium to that X duty import, you know, above the ex duty import that's levied. And part of the reason why that's happened is, you know, we've been in a bit of a downtrend in the price of gold, obviously. My opinion, anyway, driven by the paper gold market, particularly the COMEX. But what happens with Indians is that when the price runs up, they're 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 price sensitive for a short period of time, and they'll slow down their buying or even stop their buying. But when the price sells off, all of a sudden they come back and and they are like hogs at a trough, feeding on on the lower price of gold. And so and that's probably why this the the price over there has returned to a premium and john offered the opinion and i agree with him that as long as the rupee stays stable and doesn't get hammered um, because obviously that increases the price of gold to indians but as long as the rupee stays um, stays stable we probably have seen a bottom in the price of gold around the 1960 level um whether or not that's true remains to be seen we'll find out soon enough but until the next time i i hope everyone found this podcast helpful educational beneficial um i know my last podcast i was a little bit bearish on the market i guess i suggest there's going to be a little more pain before a lot of gain and there was a little bit of pain and so far there hasn't been as much pain as I was expecting, but that may be because of this physical component to the market. So um, I'm cautiously starting to turn bullish again on the precious metal sector. So until next time, you know, get away from your computers. Don't worry about the stock market. Don't worry about your shorts. Don't worry about your NVIDIA calls Um, worry about what you're going to do to protect yourself financially. Because what's coming at us is going to be a lot worse than 2008. And on that cheery note, see everyone in two weeks.